0: You're listening to the Bill Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. Now is the best time to sign up for Midco Sports Plus, your streaming destination for University of North Dakota football, basketball, volleyball, soccer, softball, and more. Midco Sports Plus is the new home of the Summit League Network, giving you access to UND's conference games, both home and away, so you won't miss a minute of the action that matters most this season. Sign up today at midcosportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode five of the new season. It is a Tuesday morning, the 26th of September. Alongside Bill Shaves, I'm Alex Heinert. Bill, not one special guest this week, but two. What's better than one? Let's double that. Two
1: great guests this week on the pod. Good morning, Alex. Yeah, the, the podcast is expanding right before our very eyes, right? It's like it's watching your child grow. Okay. <laughs> so it's going to be really exciting here. Uh, but, you know, it made some sense because we had uh, we certainly wanted to talk with Mike Schmidt about um, uh, our new director of officials with the NCHC, but then obviously with Eric's role within the NCAA structure and uh, the rules committee, I just felt like it was a it was a perfect uh, perfect double guest uh, week. So uh, we're excited. So we'll go a little bit longer today. Maybe we'll 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 switch up the three question thought process and maybe get into more of a conversation.
0: Yeah, it should be fun. As you as you mentioned, we have two guests, both in the world of officiating in college hockey right now and and two prominent members of that specific fraternity, Mike Schmidt, who was just named the new director of officiating in the NCHC this past year, Eric Martinson, who is the deputy director of athletics at North Dakota, but now just this week has been named the men's and women's ice hockey rules committee chair for this upcoming season. Mike and Eric, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks
2: for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Thanks for having us.
0: This will not be like a, a dry conversation about rules, by the way. This is, this is going to be fun stuff. I'm ex- I, I know some people might think, what is this next 30 minutes going to look like? Because we're going to talk a lot about some minutia. But there's going to be some great philosophical conversation about what it means to be an official. Both, both Mike and Marty have done the job on the ice for a long time and now have moved into more of an advisory role. There's a lot of meat to get into. Bill, I'll let you start. Where, where do you want to begin this conversation with these two fine gentlemen?
1: Yeah, you know, so Eric, let me just uh, briefly um, talk about the rules committee. And this, this will be a uh, rule change year, correct? So you'll be overseeing that process. So just, uh, just give us uh, kind of the timeline on how things work in that regard.
2: Yeah, so we get to, um, we have a rule change year every other year. Um, You know, there are certain things like this last year, we changed Change one of the rules just because we felt like we needed to with some unintended consequences of a rule change from previous. So in a non-rule change year, you really have to have a specific reason why you would need to tweak or, or send clarification or adjust a rule in a non-rule change year. And then in a rule change year, which is every other year, which is which what we're coming up on is, uh, is something that it, it's a fun process and something that we, uh, we don't take lightly on, on um, you know, trying to figure out what's best for the game of hockey. But in, in you always have to remember, though, it's for Division three, Division one men and women. So a lot of times, you know, I'll come in guns blazing with, we should make this change. And, and it's like, hold on, like that, that might be specific or siloed in, in my own thought within the NCHC or with where we're at. But we have to remember, you know, that's one thing I've learned over the time that I've been on the committee is that it, it needs to be broadened enough for – for our, our purview of all Division three, Division one men and women, so it's a fun conversation. We have a really, really great group of, of people on the committee, and that's a mixture of um, administration, coaches, um, just kind of everyone around the, the game of hockey. And then we get a lot of feedback from the NHL and from directors of officials, and just a lot of good people on on those committees that that can help us kind of bounce things back and forth. So it's exciting. It's it's we we have a lot of ideas on the table that we kind of just discuss and then we kind of cross some off and add some more on. And it takes a whole year to, to kind of get through those. So it's, it's pretty fun.
1: So Mike, you just uh, jumped into the uh, director's position here back in, in July. So, but give us a little bit of a background though. I, I know uh, obviously you've been an on-ice official. You've you've worked uh, in the NCHC for, for many years as a supervisor as well. So uh, just just a little bit of your background and uh, that'll probably spur some conversation as well.
3: Yeah, I can kick it off. Um, you know, I I'm, I'm, uh, started officiating. I'm, I'm living out in my North Dakota, started officiating. In the late 80s, um, just want to kind of get back into hockey. So I started officiating. We had a junior team up here in Saskatchewan Junior League, and they got involved in some higher-level hockey. And then kind of, you know, I wanted to go, go higher on, and I was trying to figure out how do you get into Division One. Well, my high school coach was Dean Blaze for my last three years, uh, my sophomore, uh, junior, senior season. Dean was at North Dakota. I said, hey, how does one get in? um and Ron Foyt who's one of our supervisors at this time was the director officiating for the WCHA uh brought me over I got a, a tryout and uh started doing lines at North Dakota and uh and I was not that good um <laughs> I still remember my first uh my first line I was doing lines my first period Ron came down and had me in the old Ralph had me in the shower uh in the showers in the tile put a towel down and had me dropping pucks because he said my dropping pucks was terrible so I was sitting in there Dropping pucks the whole time. Click, click, click. That's all you heard. And, uh, but, uh, so yeah, so we, uh, so then we went to the uh, 2 1 system, and uh, me and a uh, partner, Tom Goddard out of Thief Falls, actually, I used to play UND. Uh, we teamed up and, um, you know, we're fortunate enough to do a lot of games in the NCAA, in the uh, WCHA, NCAA. Um, I went on to uh, do seven Frozen Fours in the NCAA and then two National Championship games. Uh, and then uh, away from college hockey, I got. Uh, I was fortunate enough to do some stuff with USA Hockey where I was able to do, officiate two world junior championships, one in Red Deer, one in uh, Fusen, Germany, and then two world championship, men championships, uh, one in Copenhagen in Vienna. And then I did a Spangler Cup out in uh, Davos, Switzerland. So I did five international assignments, which uh, which was nice, nice uh, topping uh, on there. And then, uh, yeah, this, this opportunity came around. Um, I got officiating. Um, my sons were... Growing up, I wanted to watch them, uh, got officiating, and uh, NCHC uh, came around, and uh, I was offered a job supervision, and uh, I jumped on it, and uh, they say, like they say, the rest is history. Here we are. It's
2: awesome. Well, we're looking forward to your leadership, for sure. There's nothing There's nothing better than uh, throwing on YouTube on a Saturday night or Friday night in the garage, and we watch a Go for Und game, and all of a sudden you peek in there, and there's Mike with the the one band's just trying to survive on the ice, and we always <laughs> send him pictures and text messages. Mike, what? That was a slash. That's a slash. <laughs> you missed it. That's great. Well, well the problem so
3: with it, the big they, the problem with the Big Ten network is I was way way back when I was still doing high school. We we're doing playoffs in Bismarck. We're at Buffalo Wild Wing, Wings and Rings, and same thing came up. The Big Ten showed a blast from the past. They showed the Michigan. And uh, Boston College, as my championship game, I did in 98 in Boston. And uh, they showed that replay. And, my God, the first five minutes, I must have missed (laughs) 10. I shouldn't say I missed. We just didn't call them back then. 10 hookings, slashings. uh, And the guys are going, my (laughs) God, didn't you guys call anything? I said, not a lot. Not a lot.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. So, Mike, what's your vision? What's your thoughts uh, going in? The good news is you've been in the league for for obviously since its inception, so the the reality of it is you have a really good uh, thought process on the officiating program uh, in the league. But uh, what are some thoughts that you have moving forward that you'd like to uh, put your fingerprints on?
3: You're not going to see a lot of changes on the outside. Um, you know, uh, with the with the staff, um, the guys on the ice. Um, probably some future changes, I'm not quite sure, but I want to give these guys a chance under me before I made, came in and made some changes, like, you know, changed uh, up some individuals in certain areas. But I feel it's only fair to them to uh, get a year under me and uh, uh, see what they do. So, you know, moving forward, we're going to be evaluating our staff moving forward. Uh, the thing that I think the biggest change is, and it probably won't be seen on the ice, but I think it's going to, it's going to transgress to the ice is that the communication process process. Um, the last couple of years, I mean, uh, I think the communication process probably wasn't as strong as it could have been. And that's between, you know, uh, director officiating and the co- and the coaches and the staff and also just with the officials themselves. And so I'm just going to really strive that I got the open door policy with the uh, with the coaches, the uh, staff side, all the institutions and plus, more importantly, my officials. Um, if they call me on a Sunday morning uh, about a call that was made, um, I'm going to talk to them. Um, I am going to get back to them. We're going to communicate through that. And I think in the past they just felt that that wasn't quite there. And I think the morale was maybe a little bit down so that, you know, was brought out on the ice uh, at some times. Uh, So that's going to be my big push is just being um, a little bit more open. Um, I know with the league office, we're going to be doing some things. Um, um, I'm going to be reviewing some calls, you know, and maybe once, twice a month, I'm gonna, you know, explain some certain calls, uh, why they were made, why they weren't made, a little bit of transparency coming in. Uh, so get uh, you know, cause we, every individual watches these games on their, on their iPhones and they see the replays and uh, they try to figure out why this was called or wasn't called. So try to get a little more, you know, communication out to the fan base, but that's
2: pro- primarily my biggest push now this year is, is the communication one thing, you know, you said the word communication and transparency, but I also think all of that relates to education and and, uh, the more education that we can do to our fan base and to those that are out there, because a lot of times we hear, I I just saw that in the NHL last night. Why isn't this being that? Well, we are not the NHL. We there, you know, it's the game of hockey and there are um, some correlations and and very similar, very much similar, but there are different rules that we have in in the NCAA rule book than the NHL rule book. And, um, I think the education piece is going to be great um, for what Mike is going to try to do with NCHC leadership and their communication team and with Michael Weisman and others that, you know, the educa- just educating people and helping them along with like, why didn't this get, sometimes there's a reason for it. Um, and sometimes you're bound by the rule book for it. So I think that'll be really beneficial for us going forward.
1: So, Eric, in talking about that, is there anything, and I know it was a non-change rule year, but is there, was there a tweak made this year?
2: Yeah, there was so there was two two tweaks. one was an actual change and then one was clarification. So the one was uh, taking out the where you cannot challenge too many players on the ice and that was taken out because what we had in the rule book was y- you could challenge it but if it led to a if the too many players led to a gained advantage, the goal would have to come off the board. The words "gained advantage." We every meeting that we had, and every time we spoke with coaches and others, it always came back, circled back to the word "gained advantage," and what does that mean? Because that can be interpreted so many different ways. If you were if you were on the receiving end, or on the, bat, the the right or wrong end of it, gained advantage could be interpreted different ways. And um, you know, Bill, not to steal your thunder, but you've always used the uh, the like interp- the, the interpretation of the, the biathlon, right? We're expecting our officials to be running a fast, fast race and then all of a sudden go in under the hood or go in with the, the headphones and, and just bring their heart rate down and all of a sudden start to look at something slow and, okay, what did this mean? What actually happened? That's really, really hard to do. And I think, you know, when you're you're trying to think of little words in the rule book, like gained advantage, it was just too tough to, to kind of articulate and define that. So we took that out of the rule book as a challenge you can still call too many players on the ice, but you can't call it after the fact, or you can't take a goal off the board for that. The other one was, um, you know, you, you can't, you, the only aspects of the video review after a ch- from a challenge have to be within that play. So you can't challenge for say goal interference and then hope that the officials might've also looked at the offsides that was coming into the zone. So it's all aspects of video reviewers. Not is not part of it anymore. It's, if you challenge goaltender interference, that's what they're going to go in and look at. They can look at things within that within that play, but they're not going to look at the entirety of the play because the entirety of the play, again, it's all about definitions. That's uh, that was a clarification that we made as well. Interesting,
1: interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I it, we could spend the rest of our time talking about uh, reviews um, it, because I, I think it, it, it really is hard in, in so many ways that. Um, I, we put our officials in an almost an impossible situation. I, I, I just, I, I believe that I, it's just, but I think all sports are still trying to deal with this. And then as technology keeps getting better, um, it just becomes almost a really difficult uh, proposition for our officials. But so basically the coach has to be very specific as to what's being reviewed. Is that fair to say?
2: In If they're going to challenge it. Yep. Yep, Yep, they just need to define that because they can't expect the officials to look at the entirety of the play because you don't know what that means. That could mean, well, you missed the major that was in the neutral zone. Well, that's not part of the challenge, so we're not going to go back to that. Um, So it's just kind of clarifying and defining is I think that's a full-time job in itself. And our secretary rules official, Jeff Fulton, does a great job of uh, having a good understanding of the book and and helping us define and, and talk through and what's the intent of this. But, and I I know that that makes some people's heads explode when you say, well, the intent of the rule, you're right. There, there's an intent to the rule, but we should try to define it better. So it actually reads that way instead of just trying to assume someone to get the intent of the rule. Not something that I've been trying to do is clarification and definition is, is a big one for, for that piece. So, yeah, I mean, you said it right, Bill, like technology, we, we text back and forth all week, every weekend about, you know, well, replay was, was it the technology or was the officials, you know, what, which one was it? And I think as technology gets stronger i think it just gets more it just gets harder almost um trying to make sure that all the technology does work and um you know db sport we used to have a system where it was two cameras and one little pad that would go back and forth on it And now we have 11 12 different views and all of the cameras feeding into one system and it has to be going through and it's all timed and in sync through But DV sports an awesome awesome tool but it's not perfect either from you know things Things can go wrong in buildings and wiring and um, just you know different connections. It's tough, so you can't always depend on technology to get things. You know, it's it's funny we always see sometimes on X or Instagram like they have it they have it pulled up after an incident faster than our technician can get it going. Sometimes you know it's
1: just it's a crazy world. It's awesome, but um, it's not perfect either. So, Mike, what did we miss in that whole regard? There's probably a million things you could say right now, uh, knowing what you see literally on a weekly basis.
3: Well, like going back to the the, the rule uh, that they changed with um, not uh, being able to challenge too many men. That was is a great rule because it was really, you know, as, as Eric said, <clears throat> it's just getting um, you know definition of the uh, impact on the play. Um, now with the challenge, it. it if they challenge you something this year that you can look at that specific area. And the thing is, is you have to, you can look in the, into the area. So if you have a guy, you're looking at a face mask violation, if there's a spearing to the right of it, it's in the view, you can call that. I would like to have the rules committee just say you, next year is put in, what are you challenging and just challenge that specific act. And hopefully that will be something that we add on, uh, with the video, you're a hundred percent. Um, with the uh, different venues, different places, um, you know, if you want to call it operator air, sometimes um, the, the cameras are not working. Uh, we're trying to get the production feed through. Some are better than others. Also, the fault lies on us as officials. Uh, and that's one thing I'm pushing the guys this year is that we need to get the, the video reviews done quicker. And that, where that comes down to is that you got to remember at the end of the review, it has to be 100% to overrule your on-ice on call, right? has to be 100% uh, to overrule that on-ice call. And we went through a situation, uh, we had supervisors uh, last Thursday before our meetings, um, and uh, we just went through video, and we were 50-50 on one video on in uh, goaltender interference. Um, and then we were just going back and forth. And then it finally kicked in after going back and forth, one of the supervisors says, what was the call on the ice? We all just sat there, good crap, you're right. And the call on the ice was a goal. So after you look through it so long, it's got to be a goal. And, and the longer we look at it, the more we're, we're seeing. And you just have to go with your gut feeling sometimes. If your gut feeling is a goal, nothing is showing that it's conclusive 100%. You have to go with the on-ice call. And, uh, and that's what we're telling our guys is that when you come to reviews, uh, to hopefully get the reviews uh, a lot uh, quicker. Um, also with the reviews, I'm just, I just really push the guys, be confident in your call. Um, if we have a big hit at center ice, and it's a big hit and you know a guy maybe goes off you know bent over a little bit uh next stop is your play come together as a group now if all four of you guys on the ice go i think i got a good hit shoulder to the chest it's a good hit why to go to review the coach has a challenge if they want that video coach up in the press box they see something they can challenge it but i think in the past they felt that well if we don't go look at it we're going to get in trouble um because we have technology why aren't we using it but if you're if you saw it, why why are we you know going against your call? So I, I think that I think hopefully we'll see some little bit streamlined in the video process. And um, and one thing we did is we did um, put in place uh, Tim Swader out of Denver. He's a video technician out there, and he's really good on the the technology side. And he's going to be kind of our um, go-to person. So if we have issues out of place, like an official is out in Duluth and having the problems with a replay person. They can contact Tim, Tim will contact the person, Duluth, hey, let's walk through what happened, and maybe Tim can get some things uh, fixed in those, uh, on the technician's side.
0: Mike, you just kind of touched on this, but I'm curious, from your chair now, what philosophy would you like your officials to take as they come to the ice? What are some of the things you're hoping that they're thinking, feeling, versus maybe even just, hey, be watching for this or looking for this specific infraction? What, what do you want them to be thinking about as they take the ice and, and get set to officiate a match?
3: Well, I think it goes back before the ice. It goes back on, let's say, the Monday before the game. I want my guys starting to get prepared for that game on a Monday mentally. Um, You know, getting prepared about, hey, what type of game do we have this weekend? Uh, Who do we have uh, playing? Um, You know, start looking at maybe some game notes. um, You know, what has happened in the past? Um, Not saying that we go out there and look at for individuals, but we know the individuals that have high penalty minutes, you know, just start getting ready. Getting your equipment ready, getting your your life ready, so to speak. So when you go into the game on Friday, get to the venue on Friday, you're ready to go. And all that other minutiae is is passed behind you. And then it starts two hours before you get to the game. You know, start getting yourself mentally prepared. You're in the building. Start getting yourself ready. Do your stretching. Do everything that you have to do. Um, And then when you hit the ice, I want them, first of all, rule knowledge have to have the rule knowledge. You've got to be, uh, you know, 100% on top of the rule book. And then after that, it's just basically let the game unfold in front of you. Um, don't get over- involved early if you don't have to. Let the game let develop in front of you. If you have to step in, step in. It's just like situation after, you know, stoppages of play. If all of a sudden players are coming together and we have, you know, you know, gathering after every stoppage of you play. You know, you can verbalize as much as you want. Verbalize, blow the whistle. But after a period of time, you have to start taking guys and start taking those guys early and setting the st- setting the standard. But uh, I think it's just a, it's a it's it's a process through the season, through the week before, through two hours before you get there, getting yourself in the right set for that. And also, don't get involved. Manage the game the best that you can.
1: So, uh, Mike. Talk to us about supplemental discipline as far as you know your your view on it, your thoughts. Is, is there any sort of tweaks that are uh, potentially uh, going to be made from your from your chair this year moving forward?
3: Well, I think if you look at the, uh, the NCAA rules video, and I think very can correct me, this might have been the second year they put it back in again. That supplemental discipline is looking at egregious events, and not not over-officiating or re-officiating the game. is looking at an egregious uh, offense that happened that's not covered by the rule book. So with that said, is that with supplemental discipline is uh, if we do have supplemental discipline, I will go reach out to my supervisors um, and I'm gonna ask for their input. Uh, you know, we're gonna get the input right away and ask what they, they think on it. And then with their input, I'll be making that decision along, then along with Heather uh, Weems, our commissioner, but basically, we'll make that decision as soon as we can, especially on a Friday night, so that the teams uh, can make adjustments the following day if there is, is going to be supplemental discipline. But that way, if we make that decision ourselves within our conference, we have a little bit of more, uh, you know, evenness throughout the, you know, consistency throughout the year uh, with this with the supplemental discipline. And I'm not going to look at basically time on the clock. I think in the past, it's maybe looked at the time on the clock, like. If there's three and a half minutes and you got a five in a game, did you really serve your full time? Because it was the end of the game. We have to look at the situation. Um, um if, if you have a if like if you have a fourth liner out there, let's say a score is six to one and you have a fourth line kid out there, he just hits the kid from behind. It's just a normal hockey play, and I know that's used a lot hockey play, but if it's just a hockey play, he's sitting three and a half minutes, got a game misconduct. Do we have to let the individual sit for another game if there's no intent? to really go after that guy. I'll be looking at intent, you know, in a 6-1 game, if a guy gets lit up in the corner and you can follow him from one corner to down to the other end of the ice where he's going after that guy, goes directly to the head or, you know, extends a cross check into the head, then we're maybe looking at some little discipline discipline uh, in that aspect. But I'm not going to look at solely the clock time um, and the time of game, but uh, I'm going to look at the intent really is going to be the
2: big thing on this level of discipline. Got it. Got it. Yeah, no, I, that, think, I think helpful. one – yeah, one cool thing that you, you're right, Mike, that the, the word egregious is what we put in there. Again, like I said before, it's a lot about clarity and definition within our rule book. And, and we didn't want to reofficiate. We didn't want have to have our directors of officials or our conferences having to reofficiate every significant penalty. So w- when we did the rule change, the last rule change year, we added that egregious word in there. To make it say, yeah, you're gonna review stuff, but only the egregious things. You don't need to review every major that happens. That's that's not the again, the intent of that rule. And, and it says right in the rule book that, that just to address egregious situations where the on-ice penalty is clearly in question, not to review all significant penalties. So I think Mike, it's been great to to talk through that with Mike and work work through some things of just like, hey, this is this is really what we what we feel like supplemental discipline should be used for. That
0: kind of brings me to one of our last questions, Eric. Obviously, you've got a committee, you know, you're with 12 other members that represent all different levels of NCAA hockey who are helping form these rules. How much conversation is there, though, between that committee and directors of officials and, and referees, et cetera? How much of a back and forth is there between you as you start to put these rules in place?
2: Yeah, I think uh, a yeah, good question. I think, um, you know, one thing that I've found that's helped me throughout this time on the committee and and Bill and I say it literally every day and what we're doing, we're in a people business and it's about relationships. Right. Um, so I want, I, I want to be taught, like I want to get as much feedback as I can. And that's not only from the student athletes and the coaches, it's from everybody involved. So um, I'm, I'm trying to always talk to student athletes, you know, before games or, you know, during the week um, when, when teams come in, when coaches come in talking with directors of officials, you know, I was talking to Brian Murphy this morning about something. It's just, it's cool that it's, you know, is a small community on, on certain things. And that you can always just, there's always good feedback. Like there's nothing more And our Jeff Bolton and and Ty help. And they, they roll their eyes when they get like, I love just discussing, well, what about this situation? Well, what if we have this, how would we think about this? What are you, what are you going to do on this? You know? So there's nothing better than to just talk hypotheticals through and see what where does the rule book stand on this? Well, this has happened before, so what about this? And um, I think I drive some people nuts when it, when it happens, but it's just fun to, to talk through that stuff. And, again, it's all about the relationship. So when coaches come in on a Thursday and they're just drinking coffee, waiting for practice or something, I'll try to pop down and just say, hey, well, what are you seeing? What do you have going on? You know, talking with Schmitty constantly, he, he's been awesome having that open communication um you know brian murphy and, and others that it's just like hey wh- what do we got you know big 10 it, as well it's just it's fun to just kind of go through that and again it's all about the relationships that we can build so that's been my key and, and what i've been trying to do is just just keep talking it through
0: look at that Roso high school education
2: kicking in the socratic
0: <laughs> method of questioning everything serving eric martinson well in this particular role ram, as the pride. Chair of ram the pride. Committee. yeah let's let's finish on this eric and mike you both worked on the ice for a long, long time. We know there are some great stories from your time of being in charge of these games. What are some that come to mind? Some of your favorite stories from your time officiating hockey?
2: I I don't need to share any of mine. I've had some cool experiences and some neat ones, but nothing like uh, Mike Mike has seen the world and seen it all. But my favorite's your 98 story, Mike. I I love it. And I think it's a cool story. And it's always about right place, right time. And and, uh, just seizing the opportunity and taking advantage of it. So Mike, would love to hear your 98 story. Yeah,
3: so what, what Eric is referring to is, in, uh, so ni- so back in 1998, uh, just go back to the old WCHA days. You had one referee, two linesmen, and then we we go into playoffs, and I was doing Duluth and Minnesota up in Duluth, and the series was terrible. It, mm-hmm. it, it, you call a penalty on one team, well, they didn't like it, and the other team thought it should have been a five, and it was a two. It, it, it was it was just a gong show, and um, so what we used to do in those as best two out of three, we would switch referees around uh, if the game if the series wasn't going very good. So uh, after Saturday night it was tied up, Minnesota and Duluth were going to Game Three. Greg Shepherds our director of fishing, I said, get me out of here, get me the heck out of here. I do not want to be here. So they took me out, moved me to St. Cloud, Michigan Tech, and get on the ice. And first five minutes there's like three or four gong show and i'm going is this me what the heck is going on uh so anyway after the series is over with i just told greg i said i don't want to do playoffs i was mentally checked out i said i don't want to do the uh do the play i don't want to go down to i should say to the but i did go what i did do is i did go down to minneapolis or st paul um for the frozen five or final five but i just did the first night game said so i want to do one game and i'm done i don't want to do regionals after that or anything so i did my one thursday game did not do the NCAA regionals. I had my equipment packed away. Everything's going good. And in 98 was the Boston finals. And I literally was driving out to work. Uh, I got a phone call from the NCAA. And there was, I think it was a Monday. And they said, can you go to Boston? I said, what? Can you go to Boston? I said, let me call my wife up, give her a quick call. And she said, yeah. So next thing you know, uh, they said a, a ticket will be waiting for you at the airport. You and another crew are going to go. Uh, something happened with, uh, with another WCHA crew the weekend before. And next thing, you know, uh, I'm on the plane on, on Wednesday, I uh, had not get into Boston and getting get into Boston airport. And Dean Talifas was the coach of Anchorage at the time. And he saw me there and oh, all you hear And he goes, yeah, and he goes, well, where are you at last week? Go, what do you mean? What regional were you at? I go, I wasn't.
1: And <laughs> he goes, you didn't work, work in
3: a regional. I goes, no, no, I'm just, they called me in. And so I did the, uh, Ohio state, uh, Michigan game I believe the first game and that that, I I was checked out we were done and the WCHA crew has not worked NCAA championship for many years before that because we can't work our own teams um and there's Boston College in Michigan um the game was over with the second game of the night and I was literally in the men's bathroom at the urinal when uh, Charlie Holden stuck his head in Schmidt, your crew's got the championship game tomorrow I was sitting there, what? And I was going, I wasn't even supposed to be here. And then we got the championship game, and so yeah, well, we did the championship game. It went to overtime. It was nineteen thousand people. I had a great time, but uh, so yeah. So I go from checking out, not doing NCAA regionals, to doing the championship game. So uh, good for good for us, I guess.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, great story, Mike. Uh, you just never know. You never know when your number is going to get called.
1: You got to be ready. Got to be ready. Because the great ones adjust, right, Alex?
0: That's right. That's what we say on this podcast. <laughs> the great ones adjust. So, Well, you two are both a couple of great ones. We appreciate you coming on and chatting, officiating. Uh, again, hockey season just around the corner. So I think our fans are going to be prepped and ready to go when the puck drops here in about a week and a half
1: really appreciate you being here, Mike and Eric. And I, and I do agree the more, uh, education you can get out to, uh, to our fan bases, uh, because there are nuances, there are difference, uh, differentials between watching an NHL game and watching a college hockey game. So, but you'll do great. If there's anything obviously you need from North Dakota or this pod, let us know.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks so much guys. Thanks Mike. Thanks Eric. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Mike Schmidt and Eric Martinson, two of the great minds in, in officiating on the hockey side in our country right now. And it's awesome that we've got, A, that both of them live in the state of North Dakota. They're easy to get a hold of. Nice people uh, that were able to jump on and, and chat us through a couple different things. A lot of interesting stuff out of that conversation. I think the one that really stands out is the some of the tweaks in the reviews that we're going to see. I think that's a good thing, certainly for our fans to understand. And then I think the second one, just Mike's philosophy on what the officials should be focused on what's their philosophy coming in, letting the game come to them, not coming in with an agenda, doing what they need to do to keep the play going. We're already going to see some changes from a fan experience in terms of reducing the number of media timeouts to he- keep flow going. Um, we'll go from three to two now per period. But certainly when the prerogative is be confident in your call and use the review if you need to or if the coaches say so, but, do- but don't use it as a crutch or something that is an automatic. I'm not so sure. Let's go take a look. I think that's going to help continue the pace of the game to be at a speed that fans enjoy and that will keep the players too moving and and not just sitting on the bench waiting.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh maybe the challenge aspect was a little bit too broad early mm. on, right? And uh and so then you kind of went in going well, what happens if I see two or three things and what am I actually going to look at to some degree? So I think getting more specific with the challenge I think helps. I did like his thought process as well is the kind of the hundred zero versus fifty-one forty nine, because you know, if you want to reofficiate something, you might come up with something different if the if the slate is blank. But if the slate has a call already and it takes a hundred percent to overturn it, you know, that that to me is where we should all be in reviews to some degree. Right. I like that. That to me would make it so much better because then folks would know oh we're literally not reofficiating. and i feel like hoops basketball's gotten into that mindset they just kind of sort of blow their whistle and then go to the monitor and, and kind of complete the game and I, I feel like that's what we've done a little bit and it's like uh, i'm not sure that was the intention of all this
0: yeah i would agree and we've talked about replay if you want to go back in the archives there's a lot of replay conversations in the previous 139 episodes of this podcast that you can that you can dig into for further thoughts on that. But it is. It's it's a tool to help allow justice to be served and to make sure the right result is there. But also, too, you don't want to have to go back in and change something that is borderline just because it feels like you should change it because maybe there's a possibility that that was a penalty yeah. or that that was a goal or that should have counted, etc., just sometimes it's better just to let the play stand as it is
1: yeah, and I, and I think it 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 gives you much more um there's much more value for the call that has mm-hmm. been made, and so I think that's important. It really is. So at the end, uh, I know Mike will do a great job. Um, You know, Don Adam had a nice uh, 10-year run. And uh, so uh, great to see uh, Mike come in with a few few different thoughts. I think that's a good thing. And so, uh, you know, he will have his – you know uh, he'll he'll take a peek at what what you know don had put in place and probably you know put his secret sauce on it over the course of this year and then future years
0: yeah certainly not a broken system by any stretch no. i think the officiating of the nchc and the processes have always been top of the line in ncaa hockey Is this a matter of having a fresh set of eyes? Uh, And just like Don, obviously, again, Mike, a long time spent as a referee, understands that side. Yeah. Has been a part of the league since day one as a supervisor of officials as well. And now in this new director role, we get a chance to see some of his experience come out and some of his ideas come out. And I think that's going to be a positive uh, that he's so dedicated to this, I think, will really help
1: yeah and no one no one wants to get a phone call about supplemental dif- discipline for sure um but i would say this and i you know my voice certainly uh at the year-end meetings was hey no one wants to get bad news but I- i'd rather get it earlier than later and so if it's gonna happen you know as long as the process by which we're using is consistent and you you, you can kind of look across the league and say yep that seems to be in that bucket or it's not. I mean, when it's not consistent, that's always an issue, obviously. But then just the timing of it as well, even if you know you're going to possibly do something, if you can get it done, especially Friday going into Saturday, if you can do it on even Friday, late Friday night into Friday morning, that Saturday morning, that helps. It helps. I, I mean, it just helps.
0: Well, as you said, especially on a Friday, Saturday turnarounds, where it's a game one, there's a game two 100%. coming. As a coach and as a player, you want to know, hopefully, before you hit the pillow that night or right when you wake up, what who's available today? Is this player going to be in my lineup or is he not? That's right. And if you, I know we had a, and we've talked about this a lot, but there were situations last year where discipline wasn't administered until the afternoon on a Saturday before the game. And that, that was only one occasion. But by that time, it's a little too late, almost. Like There are just things that didn't have to be that way, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So we're excited to see how this new regime shakes out and what the new rule changes will mean. And, and also, too, I should say congrats to Eric Martinson. That's a huge deal that you've been named the chair of the committee. It's his fourth year serving. It's his final term. And to be elevated to the chair spot uh, over a group that basically sets the agenda for what's gonna happen on on what we see on the ice and in the rule book. Congrats to him, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's really good for him. Uh, It's great for the University of North Dakota, great for the NCHC. He's just really passionate about that. That everything that he does, really. But at the end of the day, certainly in this realm, and uh, he's just got a great way about him. And he's a he's a people person. He uh, he talks to you know everybody in regards, gets input, and that's incredibly important. And then you try to make the best decision. I'm sure there'll be a few things that get changed this upcoming rule year. But I think he, as he mentioned, you know, it's been enlightening for him to see all of cross college hockey. Mm-hmm. just not, you know, coming to Ralph Engelstad Arena. And so it's, uh, it, it really, I think it's been really good. And I think he's been good for the NCAA.
0: Yeah, he's on a committee with a number of assistant and head coaches across the spectrum from D1 to D3, men's and women's side, along with administrators, directors of athletics, et cetera. It's a really wide range of people that he's working with and, and an awesome thing to get a chance to speak with these folks and try and do their best to set the game up for success moving forward.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to get him to get to four-on-four four in overtime, but we'll see if that works.
0: <laughs> you, got, you got the ear of the guy that's in charge, so we will see. But anyway, best of luck to everybody as we get started in college hockey. Let's just, let's just go here. College hockey starts next week, Bill. We're, literally next week, we're going to be playing games. It's crazy.
1: I know. So we uh, we start the year uh, coming up, uh, obviously, with Manitoba coming in on the seventh and kind of our traditional exhibition game. So uh, that'll get us going, get 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 the uh, get the guys moving in a in a game day, uh, you know, game day atmosphere, if you will. And then it really gets going uh, after that. And uh, a lot of home games, a lot of home games here in the fall. So, uh, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be awesome for us. But. uh, Seeing the uh, USCHO poll that came out, we're we're playing a few schools that are uh, highly ranked. Yeah. Uh,
0: Number one, number three on the non-conference schedule in the first month of the season. That's always fun, plus a number of schools receiving votes right off the bat. Five NCHC schools ranked in the top 20 in the USCHO preseason poll, plus two that were receiving votes. So basically the entire league for North Dakota, as you said, seven home games in a row to start off the season beginning on the 7th of October against Manitoba. The icebreaker with Army and Wisconsin coming the next week, then Minnesota, then Minnesota State, all inside the Ralph. So a great chance to get out and watch this team and get to know them. Again, we've said it a lot, but 14 new faces on this roster to just 12 returners. A lot of new names playing big roles, especially in defense, in goal, etc. A great chance to get to know them and understand who they are and what they're about. Plus a couple of familiar favorites coming back. Gonna be a fun team. I think we're all excited to get the ball, uh, get the ball rolling, get the puck dropped. Yeah,
1: it, hundred percent. And uh, you know we're, uh, uh, you know, going through the paces of practice right now. I've been talking to Coach Barry. He, you know, he likes where the team's at. I mean, but again, I, you know, the are the Ritchie, they want to get on the ice and go. So uh, should be fun. And as we all know, these, these, uh, you know, it, hockey's done it very, very well. Much like uh, college football, boy. Every series, every game counts, and especially these non-conference games. And you can always point back, you know, if you're, if you're not lucky enough to win the automatic berth into the NCAA tournament, you know, it could be a series that, you know, you, know, you stubbed your toe, so to speak, and uh, that kind of kept you from uh, being one of the top teams in, in the country uh, competing for uh, that national championship. So, so these games are incredibly important.
0: You mentioned college football. Non-conference is over. The bye is behind us. North Dakota gang sets up We mentioned Boston University number one in college hockey. South Dakota State number one in college football. That's who is North Dakota's next opponent. UND gets to go to Brookings at 2 o'clock to take on the defending national champion Jack Rabbits. Sold out at Dana J. Dykhouse Stadium.
1: Going to be a tremendous atmosphere come Saturday. Yeah, what a what a great opportunity for our guys. I know they're they're uh, they're looking forward to it, and uh, South Dakota State's just done a, a marvelous job over the last several years. I mean, really for the last decade plus, but really uh, culminating in that national title last year. So uh, we'll have our work cut out for us. Um, you know the. Uh, The game in Boise kind of felt like we maybe left a a few things on the table that Mm -hmm. day. And uh, I think, you know, with Boise going and beating San Diego State this week and who knows what kind of run they go on. uh, You know, I I, I think it's prepped us a little bit for the atmosphere that we're about to go into on Saturday.
0: I would say so. Yeah. 30 something thousand in in Boise, almost 20,000 coming in Brookings. Uh, and it'll yeah. be a, a big game, certainly. North Dakota just ranked outside the top ten in both of the major polls in the FCS, two and one through non-conference. Uh, I got to see that South Dakota State team in person at Target Field a couple of weeks ago when they beat Drake seventy to seven. So North Dakota beat the Bulldogs fifty-five seven. South Dakota State seventy to seven. Very similar in their only common <laughs> opponent matchup this year. Uh, But I think Bubba Schweigert and the guys are excited, as you said, for the challenge, a chance to really prove themselves now against the team in conference. And if you get a win on the road like that, what a boost that would be as they move forward into the rest of conference
1: play. No doubt about it. I know our guys. Uh, they're 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 excited about it for sure. So uh, uh, it's been a good game. You know, the last several years. I, I you know the last year had a 21-7 lead, and yeah. uh, you know somehow some way, uh, you know we gave up that touchdown uh, late in the half and made it 21-14, and then uh, they did a really good job coming out of the and uh they got they got up a few scores and so uh, uh we've just got to stem the tide a little bit they are going to be uh you know the tough place to play but uh I, our guys have been there so i mean that that's that makes a difference uh so they, they know what they're getting into uh sometimes when you've not been at a place like say a boise uh um you know i i just think it adds a different element to some things, but this one, our guys, for the most part, that they know what they're walking into.
0: Yeah, North Dakota did almost beat South Dakota State in Brookings two years ago. They did beat them in Grand Forks in the spring, the, the odd spring season of 2021. So they, they've had some success against this Jacks team, but should be a great matchup. Again, two o'clock, you can watch that game live on Midco Sports this Saturday. North Dakota then back home for homecoming against Western the following week to start a two-game homestands. A number of our other teams here in the fall getting into conference play this past weekend with women's soccer and volleyball both getting started. Volleyball going one and one on the road. A tough road game against Denver followed by a five-set win over Oral Roberts down in Tulsa. And then soccer, kind of a similar story. A loss in the opener to Omaha and then a really cagey draw. Back and forth, a couple of good chances that just didn't get converted against Kansas City. So both teams now getting into the heart of conference play. Volleyball home this weekend. Soccer going on the road. What do you make of the start of the seasons for those two programs, Bill?
1: Yeah, I, I think you know, very, very fair assessment. Uh, getting a, a split on the road was was good, especially after the Denver match. I thought Denver played a great match. So, uh, but to to come back and, and figure it out in five uh, in Tulsa w- was was big for the group. And I know we've been going through a little bit of an injury bug there. I mean, we just uh, there's just been a number uh, roster uh, has has. The full roster has played, so uh, and part of it is because I, I think you know you're we're going back to you know who's available right on, on a certain day, and I know uh, Coach Tupac is literally uh, you know on a day by day basis, trying to figure out, you know, who, who might be available for him. So uh, in between that, yes, I thought Omaha looked good in soccer. Uh, You know, we played a a decent second half, but uh, kind of the damage was done already. Um, And then, uh, then the Kansas city match. Yeah. It was just one of those. uh, No one could seem to break through and uh, you know, it, it just that's that's soccer. And I, to some level, that probably result was fair, I, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of a back and forth. And so uh, um, now we go on the road and, uh, yep, you got to try to continue to get points.
0: Yeah, it's unique that soccer is on the road now for three in a row after being at home for so much of the first half of the season. All three rivalry games coming up at South Dakota on Thursday at South Dakota State on Sunday. And then at North Dakota State the following Sunday, volleyball, meanwhile, three in a row at home. Different story. They get to host Omaha this Thursday, host St. Thomas on Friday. So a Thursday, Friday, back-to-back for the team inside the Betty, and then home against South Dakota on the 5th. You can watch all those games, by the way, live on Midco Sports, and then the soccer matchups will be on the Summit League Network. So a chance to follow these teams, whether you're streaming or on television here through Midco, over the next couple of weeks uh, cross country, by the way, has been off for a little bit. A short trip for them just across the state to Bismarck coming up this weekend for the Marauder Classic at U Mary. Uh, some of the group will be there. Some of the group will be a little further away in Pennsylvania as they start to get ready for the conference meet, which is just right around the corner. This is really almost the last test before conference already, Bill. That's
1: crazy. I know it is crazy. Once it once it gets going, it just uh, it goes, huh? It just uh, feels like it, it's it's uh, you're you're already almost through September. I mean, at this point in time, it's crazy. So, uh, but yeah, they they are they're uh, they're getting ready for the uh, conference uh, conference meet. So, uh, it, but you're right, this is like their last prep. Can
0: I ask? And this is a question that I saw posted on social media a while back. Why do they only have? A couple of meets before conference is that a specific reason why there's just the just the three or the four kind of in the regular season
1: before conference yeah really good question i you know we'll we'll have to bring tom scott on at some point in time i think there's you know i i i let the coaches kind of you know um, how should i say figure out what's best for the team to some degree and i know competition across country is an interesting one because even when you do go-to meets, I'm not sure you're getting someone's A game that day. And so I uh, I don't know, Alex. I, I think the answer mainly is they kind of take a look at the championship uh, meet and they work themselves backwards and then figure out when is the right appropriate time you want off and not competing. And so that's that would be my... I would say, educated answer, but probably need to dig in a little bit deeper with maybe even the coaches in that regard.
0: It'll be a good one for a future pod to kind of it dig would. into that because it is unique. It again, after this weekend, they do not have a meet until the end of October when the conference tournament or the conference meet will take place in Brookings. It just makes you wonder, oh, but again, smarter minds than us when it comes to this specific sport. I was never a cross-country guy. I was always on track. So that that part, the long-distance running was yeah. never my forte, um, so I never quite understood the science behind it. But obviously, it makes it makes sense if you do want to taper up towards that meet that you would give your team some time off, and obviously, they're not just sitting on their hands; they're <laughs> running high mileage and working on speed work and doing all those things to get ready. But an interesting question uh, for the future about what schedule. Interesting. Looks like. yeah. Yep.
1: Well, let's let's put that in the parking lot. Let's put it in the so podcast out. parking lot. Let's do
0: that. We'll put that down. Future pod. Uh, anything else, Bill, going on from a UND perspective at the moment? Want to flip? Should we do a quick flip? Quick flip. Let's do it. Two quick topics. I think, first of all, EPL-wise, the heinert Chaves Derby is coming up this weekend. And both of these teams are playing pretty well. Your Spurs, my Liverpool, pretty strong start. Both still unbeaten through six matches. Uh, You just had a very exciting North London derby, 2-2. to Great comeback on both occasions on the road at the Emirates. What have you made of Spurs so far, and what did you make of that match?
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting for sure. You know the style of play is 180 degrees different than what we've been used to for the last three years, and so you know would would that play stand up at this point at a pretty uh, you know hostile environment? And certainly, uh, you know, Arsenal had a great great year last year, and they've off to a good start this year as well. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought the team played pretty well. I I found this interesting, Alex, that this was the. Fifth different manager in five years to coach at the Emirates. Mm-hmm. So some I don't know how that worked, but I know <laughs> Nuno got fired. I mean, there was a lot of pieces to it.
0: I think at one point, didn't Konsei serve a touchline band so your assistant was in charge? too. Because you've got right. five different head coaches, but you have cycled through a lot of guys leading the line there for Spurs over the last couple of years.
1: I'm excited about this weekend. Uh, Liverpool's playing well. Mm-hmm um it'll be a good match uh it's funny my son said to me um you know we were talking about it he goes we, we actually actually play decent against city at liverpool's the one we never can beat <laughs> ever i mean you've won late games you've crushed us i mean you the, it, it, it regardless of it all i look up at the scoreboard and you have more goals than we do
0: yeah i feel like last year's game didn't liverpool lead like three nothing in that match and then you I came back so. and made it 3-2 and made it really interesting at the very end and nearly came out with the yeah. point. They're just weird things happen when these two get together. But as you said, more more often than not, it's been the team in red that's walked away with the points. It feels as if
1: there will be goals. I think both these teams will want to go forward and score. Right. So I I think it it should it should be a, a, an interesting match in that regard. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. I think the team's playing okay. They, they weirdly have gotten – interestingly young in certain spots. They're they're really a young team now. I mean, his son's 31. But other than that, most of their guys are under like 24. So they've got some, you know, they've got a a little bit of a bright future right now. So uh, but I think Postacoglu had said, you know, he just they just don't have the roster, so to speak, of how he wants to play. And he's going to have to go through a couple windows right now and said, strangely enough, you want to be in Europe, but maybe this is a year that's not the worst because they, they are going to probably cut and paste and play the same team every single week.
0: Yeah, they just about can. Yeah, that is one of the positives when you don't have to have another midweek fixture on top of the weekend duties. Liverpool play Leicester on Wednesday. I feel like Spurs have somebody. You play someone in the League Cup, don't you, on Wednesday? Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, I don't think so. Or maybe no. not. Oh, you—you oh, you, you lost. That's right. You lost. Uh, you lost to Fulham, didn't you? That's right. You've already been bounced. You get the whole week to prepare. I forgot. About, I forgot about that. You're already out of the cup. Never mind.
1: We do not like midweek games. <laughs> we do not enjoy midweek games. On the on the plus liver from
0: a Liverpool perspective, they host Leicester. Not that that's a super long trip, but you but you get to stay at home, and then they'll go to North London, and then their Europa League match next week is also at home. So they're not. They're not trying to get to a place right after they finish that match at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So little things like that can kind of make a difference in terms of. They the make a
1: difference, but you just got to manage your your time, right? Your, yeah. your roster at that point in time. I mean, you, have you had some injuries still in the midfield to some degree? Has that been a thing, or is it been resolved?
0: You know, they've been they've been more or less fortunate to come out unscathed. A couple couple niggly things. Mostly, it was at the back. They had an issue because. Virgil Van Dyke got sent off against Newcastle, then got an additional red card ban. Yep, yep and yep. They, had, they had their other two center backs had both kind of been banged up, and so um, Kanate had missed a couple of matches. But they've more, they've more. Trent Alexander Arnold is still out; he's working through a hamstring thing. But for the most part, in midfield and, and up top, they've got basically their full choice to pick from. Got it. Uh, got it. Very last thing before we go: there's just yep. a handful of games left in the major league baseball season. Obviously, things did not go the way we wanted to for the Red Sox. They're going to finish more than likely below 500. They've kind of cratered a bit here down the stretch. They fired their general manager. Just a quick postmortem on the Red Sox season as it comes to a close.
1: Yeah, the only bright spots were that you found out that Duran can play a little bit in the majors and Cassis seems to play as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I'm not sure there's much to really like at this point in time the way they have played the last several weeks. I, it, it feels as if I, 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 we, we've been almost a broken record here. It, it like there's certain seasons. You just feel like they've, they've, they've just given up. Yeah. I mean, they're done. And so, you know, now having said all of that, um, they, they have to start making probably some changes and that's what they're doing. Uh, I don't know what the ownership thinks about, you know, investing into the, into their team for next year. But I can tell you this, they, they need to figure out their starting pitcher right now. I, I, they can't get a guy that goes five innings.
0: <laughs> Which is not
1: great. That's, no. not, that's not what you want. It's not ideal. Uh, no, we have a couple guys that I think are, are, are suited much better for that middle relief role. And I think they can get you two and three innings. I, I really do. I, I think they're pretty good in that regard. Once they get around the lineup uh, at least one, at least twice, it, it's, it's kind of scary. So, uh, yeah, I, it, 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 they, they've, they've left – put it this way. I'm not watching them much at this point.
0: <laughs> Neither have I. There was that moment there where they were just a couple of games out of the wild card about a month ago. They had gone on a nice little run, and it kind of felt like, ah, maybe they can – and now they've just gone the other direction. And what really stinks now is they're going to finish below the Yankees unless something drastic happens over the next, like, four, four games here in the season. And then they're going to finish in last place again. As bad as they the are. Yankees were this year, they're still going to finish below New York.
1: I know the 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 last thing I'll say uh, is, in it was weird that Devers came out publicly at the trading deadline that basically said y- y- we need we need pitching, and we really didn't get anything at the trading deadline. Almost like you can go back to that moment where it didn't go well the rest of the way. And so it's just odd. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, they've got to get someone in there to to run their baseball operations. And uh, we'll see. <laughs> it is so wild that
0: this team is two years removed from being a game away from the World Series and just five years removed from a World Series title. And those, it just seems like that was so long ago, and it was only five years when they were winning a World Series against the Dodgers.
1: I know. 2018, That I, I was thinking about that the other day. Of the four championship teams, that was the best one. I mean, yeah. I, that one was wire-to-wire wire job. I mean, the 13 team, was, that was a weird one. That was that, a weird that, year. That, that, that was a weird year. They somehow won it. I don't know how, but it was the the bombing at, at the marathon year. And so they were kind of playing 04 and 07. They, they were good teams. But not like 18 and that was like five years ago.
0: I know but if you look down the lineup Is there anyone left from that team? I don't think there's anyone left from that team. That's still on No, no,
1: I know that there's a guy playing in Los Angeles. That's pretty good
0: He's pretty good. He's he's still doing okay in the league. Just not wearing the white and the red unfortunately (laughs) Well, that's all we're gonna say about that bill. You're the
1: man great to see you as always same Alex and uh, enjoy uh the soccer match uh, on sunday but don't uh it, actually saturday saturday yeah it's a saturday saturday it's right, Saturday right. morning
0: though so you'll be able to catch that before kickoff in brookings so it works out right. Okay. that's <laughs> right all right should be interesting good luck but not too much luck <laughs> thanks alex all right we'll talk to you soon thanks again to eric martinson mike schmitz bill chaves to paul and alec and our entire behind the scenes crew i'm alex Hendrick, again saying thanks for listening we'll talk to you in two weeks enjoy